Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know Just what you have done Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Stop Child Abuse Now, a show brought to you by NASCOP, the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. I'm Annie Margis, and I'm your host for this evening, and we'll begin by reading the mission statement of the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. We have a single purpose here at NASCA, to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing Childhood Sexual Abuse, CSA. Presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. And two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. And tonight we have a special survivor professional who's going to co-host with me, and that's Jaime Romo. He is from San Diego. He's a hospice chaplain and lots of other things. However, he isn't here yet. Um, And so because he's not here yet, I'm just going to go ahead and read to you a little bit from the NASCA website. Let's see. Give me a moment, please. Okay, I'm going to read to you a little bit about recovery while we wait for Jaime. A primary mission at the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse is to help abused people who have reached maturity get into recovery. If you are a man or woman who experienced sexual abuse, violence, severe neglect, 
or emotional trauma in your youth and are still suffering its lasting effects, we want to help you have a happy, healthy, productive life and meaningful relationships. We've been there, and our membership includes people who have recovered in a number of ways, many of us using one or more of the many resources we recommend on this site. Secondly, we actively advocate for a better understanding of the sheer magnitude of the many problems that surround the issue of child abuse in America. A better educated society will be more willing to address these problems and support recovery from them. There seems to be a particular taboo against talking about sexuality, domestic violence, and similar touchy topics in our country, and significant confusion or reluctance to discuss such issues with our children. We hope we can break through these fears. The figures related to childhood abuse are absolutely astonishing and of epidemic, if not pandemic, proportions. So are the facts about domestic violence, a closely related issue. And I see that Jaime has joined us. Let me open the mic. It's actually Philip. Oh, it's Philip has joined us. Welcome, Philip. How are you? Hi. Oh, I'm good, thank you. Um, Jaime is our as our survivor professional tonight, and he's not in yet. And so I was just reading from the website. But let me tell the audience what phone number to call. Tonight's um, show is a call-in show. You can call in and make comments on what we're talking about, ask questions, tell a little bit of your own story. You're welcome to call in, and we hope that you do. The phone number is 646-595-2118. I'll repeat that, 646-595-2118. One eight. Okay, and since Jaime's not on yet, I'm going to go back to reading just a little bit from the NASCO website. Um, hold on just a moment. I'm going to respond to service in a bit. What's that, Philip? I'm going to respond to service in a minute. I'm having a hard time understanding you. My phone service? I'm going to lose it in a minute. Oh, you're going to lose your phone service in a minute. Okay, well, I'm glad you're here while you are here. Okay, the statistics of abuse. The first group of numbers below deal with childhood sexual abuse figures only. Imagine how bad they'd be if we added the kids who experience violence, neglect, and emotional trauma that results from growing up in a severely dysfunctional family. We give you some sense of that. Statistics only come from reporting, so we don't have accurate, objective numbers. 
a lot of child abuse and violence is never reported and never known. The statistics we use are not our own. They come from the most reputable official reports and include information from the most reliable federal government associations, well-established nonprofit groups, and the best scientific and educational sources we can find. The numbers are all absolutely astonishing. Based on the reports we have, it is conservatively believed that in today's society, one in four girls and one in six boys will be sexually molested before they are 18 years old. That means that one in five of America's youth, or fully 20% of the population. In addition, as we mentioned, we're concerned here at NASCA with helping stop all kinds of child abuse, including sexual abuse, violence, emotional trauma, and neglect. The Center for Disease Control, CDC, believes that close to 50% of our youth will experience at least one of these. In its most recent study, uh-oh, sorry, I lost it for a second. In its most recent study a few years ago, the CDC estimated the lifetime cost to society for dealing with all issues related to the child abuse of just one year's worth of traumatized kids is $585 billion an astonishing figure that repeats each year. Did you know there are over 42 million survivors of sexual abuse in America? 42 million. Somewhere between two-thirds and 90% of sexual abuse victims never tell. That's why the Estimates are too low. 293,000 children and youth are estimated to be at risk of exploitation. 100,000 are put into prostitution annually. 90% are abused by someone they know, love, or trust. I'm going to repeat that. 90% of the abuse is done by people they know, parents, brothers and sisters, uncles and aunts, grandparents, or someone close like a priest or a teacher. It's hardly ever 10% by someone they don't know. 20% of child sexual abuse victims are under the age of eight. More than 60% of pregnant teens have been sexually abused. 55% of girls living on the streets engage in prostitution. 20% of prostituted girls are transported across state lines. The average age of entry for girls into prostitution is 12 to 14 years old. 
one in seven children who are regular internet users receive sexual solicitations online. One in three is exposed to unwanted sexual material. One in 25 receives a request to meet someone in real life that they met online. 800,000 children are reported missing every year in the U.S. That's 2,000 every day. An estimated 200,000 are abducted by family members and 58,000 by non-family members. In most serious cases, the child is abducted by a stranger and killed, held for ransom, or taken with the intention to keep. According to the Department of Justice, 74% of the children who were abducted and later found murdered were killed within three hours of being taken, a sign that every second counts. And I'm checking again, and Jaime is not here yet, so I'm just going to continue. 3.3 million children witness domestic violence in their homes each year. One in five teen girls one in 10 teen boys are victim of dating violence. One in four women and one in nine men will experience domestic violence in their lifetime. Children exposed to violence are more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, suffer from depression, anxiety, and post-traumatic disorders fail or have difficulty in school and become delinquent or engage in criminal behavior. 60% of American children are exposed to violence, crime, or abuse in their homes, schools, and communities. Almost 40% of American children were direct victims of two or more violent acts and one in 10 were victims of violence five or more times. Children are more likely to be exposed to violence and crime than adults are. Almost one in 10 American children saw one family member assault another family member. More than 25% have been exposed to family violence during their life. A child's exposure to violence increases the likelihood that the child will be exposed to other types of violence multiple times. Checking again. Okay. Did you know, and here are some more statistics for you. I don't know, I think these we already covered these statistics. Statistics of the future. Tom Scales, a member of the NASCA family and an edu 
Executive Director of Voice Today Incorporated, offers the following compelling analysis of how bad the pandemic of child sexual abuse may be. He's used the typically quoted figures of one in four girls and one in six boys being sexually assaulted over the first 18 years of their life to arrive at the following figures. Children under the age of 18, male, there are 38 million. Female, there are 36 million. New victims, 6,356,362 males, 9,102,511 females. New victims every day, 967 male, 1,385 female. New victims per hour, 40 male, 58 female. Tom Scale says, quote, it is simply not possible to rescue children and treat them fast enough to stem the tide of this epidemic. A report of child abuse is made every 10 seconds. Almost five children die every day as a result of child abuse. Three out of four of those are under the age of four. It is estimated that between 60 and 85% of child fatalities due to maltreatment are not recorded as such on death certificates. 90% of child sexual abuse victims know their perpetrator. 68% are abused by family members. Child abuse occurs at every socioeconomic level, across ethnic and cultural lines, within all religions, and at all levels of education. 31% of women in prison in the United States were abused as children. Over, sorry, over 30% of abused and neglected children will later abuse their own children, continuing the horrible cycle of abuse. About 80% of 21-year-olds that were abused as children met criteria for at least one psychological disorder. Abused children are 25% more likely to experience teen pregnancy. Abused teens are three times less likely to practice safe sex, putting them for risk of STDs. And I see that our uh, survivor host is not on yet. I'll give the phone number to call again. You're welcome to call and uh, ask questions, make comments, tell a little bit of your own story. The phone number to call is 646 
595-2511, and I will uh, greet you and let you in, and we'll have a nice conversation. But right now, I don't have any callers, and I don't have a co-host, so I'm going to return to the NASCO website and see what I can read about. Prevention is an adult activity. Children are born as blank slates, completely innocent, vulnerable, and malleable. They have no internal manual for growing up. So teaching them prevention, giving them age-appropriate information about abuse issues, is an adult responsibility. We're impacted as kids, imprinted by the human interactions we experience as youngsters starting at birth. That's when the very foundation for the rest of our lives is formed. As youth, we accept our lives as normal, at least until we're able to compare our upbringing with what we see in others. We simply know no difference. The vast majority of abused children will be assaulted by adults they should be able to trust. And there's some more statistics here. I'll just skip that because we've already done statistics. Adults, all adults are responsible for all kids. We implore parents to resist any reluctance to teach prevention to their children, starting as toddlers and throughout their youth. And because so many kids are abused in the home, NASCA believes that all schools should be teaching this too, from kindergarten through 12th grade. NASCA recommends the program, My Body is my body. It has a free workbook that you can download from the NASCO website. My Body is My Body is one of the most successful, positive, and fun-filled musical body safety programs around. The program has now been animated, so it can be shared with children in schools, nursery schools, sports facilities, and homes. The program is free to everyone. It's currently translated into several different languages so that we can keep children around the world safer. Are you looking for a way to teach young children about child abuse prevention, but you don't know where to start? Look no further. This child abuse prevention program contains activities to teach children musically and in a fun-filled way. The My Body is My Body program will give you a step-by-step easy way to approach this subject through fun, animated songs. This simple program will give you a way to empower children and will help you open the lines of communication. And again, there is a free workbook that you can download 
from the NASCA website. And um, I'm looking at the website to see what else I can share. And I still see that our guest has not arrived. There's an expression I agree with. You're as sick as your secrets. Yet the vast majority of child abuse victims keep secrets since it's an almost universal response to try to deal with our past by ourselves. This is especially true for men. Women often share with other women, and there are more support groups for females, rape counseling, domestic abuse groups, hotlines, and the like. However, there are programs for men as well, including SNAP. I forget what it stands for, but it's a, it's a program for men who have been abused. In addition, there are many services available for survivors who are still children and their families. About adult survivors of child abuse. What is child abuse? Child abuse can take the form of any act of physical, emotional, or sexual abuse perpetrated against a child. Child abuse can also take the form of neglect, ignoring the child's emotional and physical needs. Child abuse can and does take place outside the family with step families, foster families, babysitters. Sometimes it's very difficult to be sure whether or not you were actually abused as a child. You may be blocking memories because you are not yet ready to cope with them all on your own. I'll make a comment here. I block the memories of abuse. I was abused as a child, and I had a breakdown when I was in the fifth grade. Nervous breakdown, couldn't go to school for a year, obsessive hand washing, a lot of OCD, I was, and I was delusional. When I finally sort of came out of it and went back to school, I had no memory of abuse. I had erased it. I don't know how, but it was gone. And it never came back until I was in my 40s, I think it was, when someone else in my family started talking about it. And it all came back at once, and I remembered everything. So that that happens. If you think, well, I don't remember, but I think it happened, you know, it might suddenly come back to you. Or it might not. But in my case, I was blocking memories. Adult manifestations of childhood sexual abuse. Childhood sexual abuse can be defined as any exposure to sexual acts imposed on children who inherently lack the emotional, maturational, and cognitive development to understand or to consent to such acts. These acts do not always involve sexual intercourse or physical force. They involve manipulation and trickery. 
authority and power enable the perpetrator to coerce the child into compliance. Characteristics and motivations of perpetrators of child sexual abuse vary. Some may act out sexually to exert dominance over another individual. Others may initiate the abuse for their own sexual gratification. Resources for sexual assault survivors who aren't sure where to turn. Sexual trauma is easier to cope with when you have support. Just like a broken bone is easier to set with a cast. NASPA has compiled a list of resources for sexual assault survivors ranging from online group counseling to books, retreats, and peer support. This includes many resources for women, men, young adults, the disabled, trans, non-binary, LGBTQIA survivors, as well as survivors of color. Many of the websites linked here also have their own list of resources, so you can find even more options with just a few clicks. What that is saying is that if you go to the NASCA website, you can link to other um, organizations that support child abuse survivors. And there are quite a few of them, and they have some great resources and programs on their sites. The NASCA website is nasca.org, and that is N-A-A-S-C-A dot org, National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse dot org. And when I typed it in today, I got that Racing Association NASCA because I forgot the second A. So there's two A's in NASCA. Reactions of adult survivors of childhood sexual assault. Avoidance, one of the common manifestations of PTSD, often makes it difficult for many people to tackle their trauma head on, particularly if the trauma is acute or recent. But as daunting as it may be to pick up the phone and call a hotline, inquire about group therapy, or attend a trauma-informed yoga class, taking an active role in your recovery will be the best and most empowering thing you can do for yourself. The following descriptions are meant to serve as a general guideline for how a victim of sexual assault might react in a time of pain or crisis. It is important to recognize, however, that each victim of sexual assault will have his or her own life experiences and personality that will influence how they react to the assault. There are many reactions that survivors of rape and sexual assault can have. But for adult, adult advisors of childhood assault, there are reactions that may either be different or stronger than for other survivors. This is from materials provided by the Texas Association Against Sexual 
assault. Post-traumatic stress disorder in adult survivors of child abuse. Trauma specialists believe that, quote, what is most tragic about child abuse and neglect is the exploitation of the child's attachment to the parent, unquote. To be sure, it is far easier to abuse one's own children, precisely because their love and loyalty to the parent render them much more compliant than they would be to a stranger. It is exactly this attachment exploitation that teaches children they are not safe in a relationship to other human beings. Damage comes when injuries are inflicted by those one looks to for love and protection and when there is no relief from the trauma. It is the emotional and psychological setting in which the sexual maltreatment occurs and with whom it has occurred that makes the difference and causes lasting damage. Thirteen Steps for Managing Flashbacks by Pete Walker, M.A. Pete Walker is a very important author on topics dealing with child abuse. The following article offers some practical advice that many adult survivors of child abuse can use. A lot of us have little problem recalling the traumatic experiences we had as kids, but for many, having flashbacks is quite common. And the experience of being triggered by any number of stimuli in our lives expresses itself in a variety of ways. Often, survivors will easily recall most of their past but are surprised when previously hidden memories, thoughts, feelings about childhood pop up. They may have sudden, shocking, and disoriented memories that come rushing back all at once. That's what happened to me. Many use the term PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder to describe this debilitating phenomenon. Regardless of how often one has flashbacks, the following article contains information with good advice for anyone in recovery, even for those who do recall all their childhood trauma. And they don't give a definition here of flashbacks, so I'll just define it in my own way, and it's when you're just sitting there and everything is really normal and all of a sudden, pow, you're back. You're back in a moment of childhood when abuse was happening. And you can feel it and hear it and smell it and it's you are there. That's what a flashback is. People who served in war often have flashbacks where they're back in the war and they're hearing things, bombs go off and that kind of thing. And um, it's the same thing, flashbacks. And now these are Pete Walker's 13 steps for managing flashbacks. Number one, 
One, say to yourself, I am having a flashback. Flashbacks take us into a timeless part of the psyche that feels as helpless, hopeless, and surrounded by danger as we were in childhood. The feelings and sensations you are experiencing are past memories that cannot hurt you now. Two, remind yourself, I feel afraid, but I am not in danger. I am safe now, here in the present. Remember, you are now in the safety of the present, far from the danger of the past. Three, own your right and need to have boundaries. Remind yourself that you do not have to allow anyone to mistreat you. You are free to leave dangerous situations and protest unfair behavior. Four, speak reassuringly to the inner child. The child needs to know that you love him or her or them unconditionally, that they can come to you for comfort and protection when they feel lost or scared. The notion of the inner child is talked about a lot in abuse centers. I'm not reading now, I'm just talking. And it means that within us, we have that child that we used to be. And that child that we used to be has all kinds of memories and feelings and things. And when, we, when we're having flashback, we become that inner child. Um, there are a lot of books on inner child healing. And you may be interested in reading some of those. Pete Walker is one of the authors. He's, he's who I'm reading right now. Uh, let's see, I've lost my way. Remind yourself that you are in an adult body with allies, skills, and resources to protect you that you never had as a child. Feeling small and little is a sign of a flashback. Ease back into your body after a flashback. Fear launches us into heady worrying or numbing and spacing out. Gently ask your body to relax. Feel each of your major muscle groups and softly encourage them to relax. Tightened musculature sends unnecessary danger signals to the brain. Breathe deeply and slowly. Holding the breath also signals danger. Slow down. Rushing presses the psyche's panic button. Find a safe place to unwind and soothe yourself. Wrap yourself in a blanket. Hold a stuffed animal. Lie down in a closet or bath. Take a nap. And I'll, I'll break there to say that lying down in a closet or bath is something that I have done a lot of. There's, it's like you're being hugged 
or protected in a way. Um, I suppose it's womb-like, but when I'm really upset, that's what I can do. The bath is easy. My closet has stuff on the floor. But the bathtub, curl up in the bathtub, maybe take a blanket and a pillow in there with you, and rest can be very comforting. Back to Pete Walker and the reading. Feel the fear in your body without reacting to it. Fear is just an energy in your body that cannot hurt you if you do not run from it or react self-destructively to it. Resist the inner critic's drasticizing and catastrophizing. Use thought-stopping to halt the endless exaggeration of danger and constant planning to control the uncontrollable. Refuse to shame yourself, hate yourself, or abandon yourself. Channel the anger of self-attack into saying no to unfair self-criticism. I'll comment on that. Even though I consider myself very well healed, I'm doing very well in my life now. I've been in recovery for 20-some years. I still have thoughts that are self-destructive. I often say to myself, you're so stupid. And when I do that, I have to stop and say, no, that's not true. That's not true. I may do something that wasn't so bright, but I'm not stupid. And so that's thought stopping. Thought substitution is replacing negative thinking with a memorized list of your qualities and accomplishments. So this is a pretty good advice. Sit down and make a list of all of your great accomplishments and all of your great um your great habits and and your qualities, like you're smart and you're loving and you're giving and that kind of thing. And when you're having a hard time and thinking that you're stupid, go over that list. Memorize it if you can, or if not, just read it to yourself again and again. Back to the reading. Allow yourself to grieve. Flashbacks are opportunities to release old, unexpressed feelings of fear, hurt, and abandonment, and to validate and then soothe the past experience of helplessness and hopelessness. Healthy grieving can turn our tears into self-compassion and our anger into self-protection. Cultivate safe relationships and seek support. Take time alone when you need it, but don't let shame isolate you. Boy, did I do that. I had so much shame and I didn't have any friends for most of my life. I never went out. I worked, but after work I would come home and hide. I couldn't talk on the phone. I couldn't go to parties. It was awful, and that's that's part of being an abused child. Healthy grieving, uh uh-oh, I got lost. Healthy grieving 
can turn our tears of self, into self-compassion and our anger into self-protection. Cultivate safe relationships and seek support. Take time alone when you need it. Well, yeah, I already read this, but don't let shame isolate you. Feeling shame doesn't mean you are shameful. Educate your intimates about flashbacks and ask them to help you talk and feel your way through them. Learn to identify the types of triggers that lead to your flashbacks. Avoid unsafe people, places, activities, and triggering mental processes. Practice preventive maintenance with these steps when triggering situations are unavoidable. I'll stop and make a comment on that. Avoid unsafe people. A lot of survivors of child abuse cut off contact with their abusive families of birth, birth families, because they're unsafe and they trigger flashbacks. I, I wasn't able to do that. It never even occurred to me that I could do that, that I could actually stop seeing my parents. No. And so I continued to see them until their deaths. But you don't have to. If, if your family or any person is unsafe for you, if they, if they put you down or say things to injure you, or if they just trigger flashbacks in you, you are free to avoid them. You don't have to go into unsafe environments. Okay. Back to the reading. Figure out what you are flashing back to. Flashbacks are opportunities to discover, validate, and heal our wounds from past abuse and abandonment. They also point to our still unmet developmental needs and can provide motivation to get them met. Be patient with a slow recovery process. It takes time in the present to become unadrenalized and considerable time in the future to gradually decrease the intensity, duration, and frequency of flashbacks. Real recovery is a gradually progressive process often two steps forward, one step back, not an attained salvation fantasy. Don't beat yourself up for having a flashback. And so that information about flashbacks was from Pete Walker, the author, and his website is pete-walker.com. pete-walker.com. And if you give me a moment, I will find another resource to share. Because our guest still hasn't joined us. And I'll just say this is Annie Marges. I'm I'm one of the many hosts here at SCAN Talk Radio. SCAN stands for Stop Child Abuse Now. 
and we come to you from Blog Talk. Protecting your children. Advice from child molesters. Who are child molesters? Research indicates that 25% of children are sexually abused prior to their 18th birthday. And most children are molested by someone they are related to or know very well, like relatives, neighbors, family, friends. Despite the high rate of child sexual abuse, only 16% of child victims are able to tell someone that they're being abused. And only 3% of sex offenders are caught and prosecuted. Most offenders are able to get away with molesting children for years before they are reported to law enforcement. What these facts tell us is that all parents, caretakers, and community members must educate themselves about sexual abuse and child molesters in order to improve their ability to protect children. It is important for people to understand how normal child molesters look and how easily they can gain access to children, isolate them, and manipulate them into thinking the abuse is okay. Excuse me, a sip of my coffee. Offenders also make children feel guilty and responsible for the abuse. These dynamics make it very hard for children to tell anyone what is happening to them. They think it's their fault. Who is the typical child molester? Okay, and again, this is written by former child molesters in treatment at the Center for Behavioral Intervention in Beaverton, Oregon. So here is who they say is the typical child molester. I am probably well known and liked by you and your child. I can be a man or a woman, married or single. I can be a child, adolescent or adult. I can be of any race, hold any religious belief, have any sexual preference, I can be a parent, step-parent, relative, family friend, teacher, clergyman, babysitter, or anyone who comes in contact with children. I am likely to be a stable, employed, respected member of the community. My education and my intelligence don't prevent me from molesting a child. I can be anybody. Parents can defeat me if they work together. Educate yourself, your family, and your community. How do child molesters gain access to your child? It is very easy to gain access to your child. I pay attention to your child and make them feel special. I present the appearance of being someone you and your family can trust. 
and rely on. I get to know your child's likes and dislikes very well. I go out of my way to buy gifts or treats your child will like. I isolate your child by involving them in fun activities so we can be together alone. If you are a single parent, I may prey on your fears about your child lacking a father figure or a mother figure or a stable home life. If my career involves working with children, I may also choose to spend my free time helping children or taking them on special outings by myself. I take advantage of your child's natural curiosity about sex by telling dirty jokes, showing them pornography, and playing sexual games. I will probably know more about what kids like than you do. I know their music preferences, clothing, video games, special language, etc. I may make comments like anyone who molests a child should be shot or sexually abusing a kid is the stickest thing anyone can do. If I am a parent, it is even easier for me to isolate, control, and molest my own children. I can sexually abuse my children without my wife ever suspecting a thing. I gradually block the communication between my children and their other parent and make it look like I'm the good guy. I may touch your child in your presence so that they think that you are comfortable with the way I touch them. Why don't child molesters get caught? Remember, Once I start, I will do everything possible to continue molesting your child. I am sexually turned on by kids and I enjoy being sexual with them. If I have had a lot of practice, I can become very skilled at offending. I will not stop on my own. I am very selfish and do not care if my behavior is hurting your child. After I've begun molesting your child, I maintain their cooperation and silence through guilt, shame, fear, and sometimes love. I convince your child that they are responsible for my behavior. I make your child think no one will believe them if they tell on me. I tell your child that you're pointed in them for what they've done with me. I warn your child that they will be the one who will be punished if they talk. I may threaten your child with physical violence against them, against you, against a pet, or another loved one. I may have gotten the child to feel sorry for me or believe that they're the only one who understands me. 
if I am a parent or live in a home with children, my behavior may look accidental. I may accidentally expose myself or accidentally walk in on children while they're in the bathroom or changing clothes. If I am a father, my behavior might look normal to other people. I may use situations like tucking the kids in at night to touch them sexually. I may have told my children that this is what all fathers do with their children so they don't, so they don't know to tell. I may be so good at manipulating children that they may try to protect me because they love me. And again, I'm reading from an article written by uh, people in treatment for child molestation at the Center for Behavioral Intervention in Beaverton, Oregon. So these are actual abusers who have written this. The next section is on prevention. Don't feel that your child is safe from me. At least one out of every four children will be molested by the age of 18. Here are some ways to protect children from me. Don't expect your child to be able to protect themselves from me or assume that they'll be able to tell you that I'm abusing them. Communication. Listen, believe, and trust what your child tells you. Children rarely lie about sexual abuse. Education. Teach your child healthy values about sexuality. If you don't teach your child, I will. Watch for any symptoms of sexual abuse your child might demonstrate. A couple of excellent books for teaching children about sexual abuse include A Very Touching Book by Jan Hindman. For teens, No is Not Enough by Karen Adams, Jennifer Faye, and Jan Lauren Martin. For Adults by Silence Betrayed by John Crudson. Give your child specific information about where on their body they should not be touched or touch others. Let them know that people who touch children's private parts need help. They have a problem. Remind your child that secret touching is never the child's fault. Talk to your child about the ways someone might try to trick them into going along with secret touching or not telling you that it is happening. Make sure your child knows that you want them to tell you immediately if something happens and that despite what anyone else may may say may tell them 
they will not be in trouble for telling. Get to know your child's friends and the homes in which your child plays. Be wary of older children or adults who want to spend a lot of time with your child. Trust your intuition. If you feel something is not right in your child's relationships, act on it. Learn about the prevention program that your school uses and discuss it with your children. Have safety talks with your children several times a year. Add information about the risk of encountering sexually explicit materials and adult offenders in the community and on the Internet. Almost one quarter of children are exposed to unwanted pornography via the Internet. Use an ISP that offers screening for obscenity and pornography. I think that's easier said said than done these days. I think the best advice is to never let your child be on the Internet unless you're there. It's not easy, but that's the safest way. The next section is indications that a child is being molested. Because each child is unique, symptoms of sexual abuse vary and can be hard to identify. Here are some things to watch for. Behavioral symptoms can include a change in modesty, ranging from becoming overly concerned about their bodies to engaging in inappropriate sexual behaviors. Physical symptoms can include genital pain, itching, discharge, and bleeding. Children may discover I'm sorry, develop stomach aches, headaches, and a variety of other physical complaints. Other changes can include sleep disturbances, bedwetting, unexplained fear, or refusal to go certain places or be with certain people. School problems, difficulties with peers, Excessive crying or depression, clinginess, aggressiveness, or secretiveness are also common. Children who are abused try to deal with their problems by engaging in escape behavior. This may involve running away, drug or alcohol use daydreaming or becoming more isolated. Some children may not demonstrate any type of negative symptoms. Some offenders are able to groom children for abuse in a manner that makes the child feel comfortable, close to, and even protective of the offender. 
Remember, if your child demonstrates any abrupt change in behavior, they may have something they need to talk about. Repeated inquiries and supportive information may be necessary. If a child molester has begun isolating and manipulating your child, he may feel very confused about telling. The child may believe that if they tell, they will be the one in trouble and that they will lose their friend or their parent. Where you can get help. Sexual abuse is a crime. If you believe I have molested your child or any other child, don't try to handle it yourself. I will always promise you that it was the first time and I will never do it again. I will be lying and I'm good at lying. Call the police. The best thing you can do for your child and for my potential victims is to report me to the authorities. If I molested your child, I'll do it to someone else's child unless you stop me. And that's the end of the article written by Child Molesters in Treatment at the Center for Behavioral Intervention in Beaverton, Oregon. And I'm reading to you from the NASCA website. That's the National Association for Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. N-A-A-S-C-A dot org. And... I am still the only host on the line. Our our guest host is not on the line, and so you're stuck with me. I'm going to give you the phone number again. Please call in, and we'll have a conversation, and and, uh, you can tell your story. The phone number is 646-595-2118. And I'm the one who will answer the phone and welcome you in. Okay, Um, I'm looking for another article. Okay, this is a good one. Here are some resources for sexual assault and domestic abuse survivors who aren't sure where to turn. Trauma is easier to cope with when you have support, just like a broken bone is easier to set with a cast. We've compiled a list of resources for sexual assault and domestic abuse survivors, ranging from online group counseling to books, retreats, and peer support. This list includes resources for women and men, young adults and children. Many of the websites linked here have their own lists of resources. So you can find even more options with just a few clicks. As daunting as it may be to pick up the phone and call a hotline, inquire about group therapy, or or attend a class, taking an active role in your recovery is the most empowering thing you can do for yourself. 
And now I'm going to tell about some programs. The first one is the Anti-Violence Project. The Anti-Violence Project, AVP, offers free, bilingual, 24-hour, 365 days a year crisis intervention and support to LGBTQ survivors as well as HIV-affected survivors of any type of violence. It also offers support to people who love and support survivors, including those who have lost a loved one to violence. Callers receive immediate crisis counseling counseling and safety planning, as well as access to ongoing counseling, advocacy, and on-site legal services. AVP may also be able to accompany you to court or to the police. And you can contact the Anti-Violence Project at this phone number, 212-714-1141. I'll repeat that, 212-714-1141. The next organization is Child Help. And I happen to be a member of Child Help, so I know a little bit about this wonderful organization. Child Help runs the National Child Abuse Helpline. They can be reached 24-7. They talk to people of all ages who have experienced parental abuse. They can help you report instances of child abuse. They also provide resources for prevention, intervention, and treatment. And Child Help, they have a website, childhelp.org, and they have a phone number that kids can call for help, which is a wonderful thing. And it's easy to remember, 1-800-4-A-CHILD. 1-800-4-A-CHILD. And the, the actual numerals that go with that are 1-800-422-4453, childhelp.org. The next organization is Darkness to Light. Darkness to Light offers local information and resources about sexual abuse. You can text light, the word light, L-I-G-H-T. You can text it to 741-741 for crisis support with a trained counselor. These services are available 24-7, free and confidential. They will be answered by a trained information and referral representative. Helpline availability varies according to state and call center. Darkness to Light also has resources for reporting child sex abuse and human trafficking. And again, Darkness to Light is, uh, you can text the word light, L-I-G-H-T, and you can text it to 741741. They also have a regular phone number, 
1-866 and the words for light f o r l i g h t 1-866 for light they also have numerals 8663675444 the next organization is day 1 if you are 24 years old or younger and have experienced sexual trauma and or domestic violence you can call day 1's free and confidential hotline available in english and spanish or text 68 i'm sorry stop 646-535-3291 i'll say that number again cuz i messed it up text 646-535-3291 day 1 provides additional services including legal services for youth who are struggling with intimate partner abuse. If you live in New York, you can also use Day 1's direct services program, which provides free and confidential counseling, case management and legal advice, information and direct representation. And that is the organization Day 1, and they have a phone number and that is 800-214-4150 the next organization is love is respect love is respect is a project of the national domestic violence hotline and break the cycle another organization love is respect is a fantastic resource for advice and info on healthy dating its mission is to empower youth and young adults to prevent and end abusive relationships peer advocates can be reached 24/7 via phone and online chat You can text. Here we go. You're going to text the words all all one word, no spaces. Love is L O V E I S. You can text love is to this number. 22522. Love is respect offers help with safety planning, support systems, self-care. abuse on campus calling the police documenting abuse and obtaining a restraining order it offers guidance for lgbtq+ survivors and undocumented survivors as well that's love is respect and their phone number which is different from their text number Their phone number is 18663319474. I'll repeat that. 18663319474. 
Love is Respect, 1-866-331-9474. The next organization is the National Center for Victims of Crime. The Center's Victim Connect Resource Center is a place for victims of any crime nationwide to learn about their rights and seek resources, including legal aid, advocacy, and treatment. The National Center for Victims of Crime has a phone number that's easy to remember, and that is 1-855-4-VICTIM. That's the number four and then the word victim. V-I-C-T-I-M, 1-855-4-VICTIM. They also have a numerals phone number, same phone number, but instead of the letters, 1-855-484-2846. The next organization is the National Domestic Violence Hotline. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is free, confidential, available 24-7, 365 in English and Spanish. The website for National Domestic Violence Hotline has a chat function that's available all day, every day. You'll also find a wealth of resources and info about state coalitions, counseling services, shelters, and legal aid. In addition, there's a library of articles about healthy relationships, boundaries, recognizing abuse, and talking to teens about domestic violence. And the phone number for the National Domestic Violence Hotline is one 800 799-7233. I'll repeat that one. National Domestic Violence Hotline, 1-800-799-7233. And domestic violence includes child abuse. The next organization is a wonderful one called RAIN, R-A-I-N-N. RAIN stands for the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. It's the largest anti-sexual violence organization. It operates the National Sexual Assault Hotline, which is free, confidential, and available 24-7, 365 in English and Spanish. The hotline phone number is 800-656-HOPE. That's H-O-P-E. 800-656-HOPE. Or, here's the numbers, 800-656-4656. Seven, three. That's the number for RAIN, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. 
RAIN works in partnership with more than 1,000 local sexual assault service providers across the country and operates the Department of Defense Safe Helpline. You can also chat online with the RAIN counselor at this website, hotline.rain.org. That's hotline.rain.org. And RAIN has two N's in it. It's R-A-I-N-N. It stands for National Network. You can call RAIN for guidance and resources in crisis. Call 911 if it's an emergency. You can call RAIN after recent sexual trauma or to talk about sexual trauma that happened long ago. <clears throat> RAIN also has programs to prevent sexual violence, to help survivors, and help bring perpetrators to justice. RAIN can help you find support groups, group therapy, individual counselors, legal aid, emergency shelter, medical attention, accompaniment, crime victim assistance advocacy, and a number of other services in your area. And the RAIN phone number, once again, the hotline is one 800-656-HOPE. That's H-O-P-E, HOPE. How interesting. The next phone, the next organization also has the word HOPE in their phone line. Interesting. Safe Horizon is the next organization. Safe Horizon has a free 24-7-365 confidential national hotline in English and Spanish for domestic violence survivors, rape, incest, abuse, and sexual assault survivors, and victims of other violent crimes. Counselors are available to talk to you about your situation, whether it's recent or not. They can help you figure out the next steps, such as counseling, legal aid, safety planning, or finding a shelter. They can also help you find in-person counseling, group therapy, legal aid, and other resources. If you're based in New York City, you can access in-person services at their offices in Brooklyn and Harlem. And the phone number for the organization Safe Horizon is one 800 621-HOPE, that's H-O-P-E, 1-800-621-HOPE, or in numbers, it's 1-800-621-4673, 24-hour hotline. And let's see. The National Center for PTSD. This is a web resource provided by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. It has excellent information on PTSD, which is post-traumatic 
I forgot what it stands for, excuse me, PTSD, including the most effective treatments and what they involve. Although it's geared toward veterans, you don't need to be a vet to use the website. And I'm going through I'm going through this um, list to see what else I can reach you. How about animal therapy for trauma survivors? Assistance Dogs International is a coalition of nonprofit assistant dogs organizations that help people find dogs to match their needs. Assistance Dogs International, it doesn't list a website, but I'm sure if you just put that in your search engine box that it will come up. Assistance Dogs International. A similar organization is the Alliance of Therapy Dogs. The Alliance of Therapy Dogs is a national therapy dog registry and can assist you in certifying a potential therapy dog. Equine-assisted trauma therapy. If you like horses, or even if you've never touched a horse, this might be a useful approach to trauma therapy for you. If nothing else, you get to hang out with a horse. Inspired by Peter Levine's approach to somatic therapy and trauma recovery, Equisoma, stands for horse soma, works with human clients in equine-facilitated interventions. They guide equine-based activities and facilitator interactions so that these activities don't overwhelm clients. Horses have a complex nervous system, much like humans, and are very sensitive to their human partners. Working with horses allows participants to be more aware of both their reactions and the horse's reactions. The idea behind the experience is to care for yourself and the animal and integrate compassion, healing, and self-awareness. And again, that organization is called Equisoma, Equine Assisted Trauma Therapy. I'll spell Equisoma for you because you probably have to put that in the web search. It's E-Q-U-U-S-O-M-A, Equisoma, E-Q-U-U-S-O-M-A. And that's about all the time that we have this evening. Um, because we have three minutes left, and so I'm going to do the sign-off, I guess. Thank you so much for listening tonight. I really appreciate it. And um, this radio show, Scan, Stop Child Abuse Now, is recorded and is archived. If you would like to listen to this show again, write down more of those phone numbers. The 
the archive number of this show is 3354. 3354 is the number. And that tells you that NASCA has produced 3,354 Stop Child Abuse Now shows. And many of them are archived on the website, nasca.org, N-A-A-S-C-A dot org. I'm Annie Margis, and I've been your host for tonight. And thank you again, and I hope that you have a great rest of your evening. And now I will play the music. Another tomorrow, because that's gone away.